You are listening to the Chasing PRs podcast, and today we are talking about the key tips to nail your running off season. Why it is important, what are the two biggest myths, how long should it be, and way more. So, if you are between races, you are not sure what to do, stay tuned. Welcome to Chasing PRs, a podcast for everyday runners who want to make the most out of their training and achieve new personal records while managing work, family, and life outside running. Hello, guys. Welcome back to Chasing PRs. I am Diego. And I'm Rochelle. Can you hear... Richelle's voice, a little graspy. She's a, she has a cold, right? Yeah. I've been sick for three, four days. I have a five-year-old in senior kindergarten, so she's just bringing home all of the illnesses this fall. I think this is my third time being sick. So we're, we're recording remotely for the first time ever. Hopefully it goes as smooth as the other episodes. They can hear me okay. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. I can hear you correctly, so I, I think we'll, we'll be good. We usually... I start the episode talking about what have we been training. So I think it's going to be really easy for you this time. Yeah, I ran, I maybe I shouldn't have ran Saturday. I usually, I kind of have a threshold when I'm sick. I, I'm not like, as soon as I'm sick, I don't run at all. If it's just a little runny nose or head cold, I'll still run. So Saturday, I wasn't feeling too bad. I ran 15K. That was my longest run since the Boston half, but I haven't ran since because I just, no. I think it would be a bad idea. But we are talking about off-season today, but how have you been approaching? It's been almost three weeks since your Boston half? Yep, it'll be three weeks this Sunday. So how have you been approaching this this time between the half and your next training cycle? I feel like a lot of runners get a little bit caught up if they have a good race. Like I had a really good race. And you just want to maximize on your performance. Like you feel fit and you, you're so excited. You did so well. And it's like, okay, go, go, go. So I'm really trying not to do that because I know that I need to have a nice downtime before I start building up for my next marathon, which I signed up for. It's April 29th in Cornwall. So I've got a date on the calendar. So really between now and early January, I'll keep my mileage a little bit lower. But I don't. I didn't run for five days after the half. Okay. And then I just did some shorter five to eight K stuff and it took, took almost two weeks for my legs to feel good again. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember you telling us that your legs were destroyed after the half. Yeah. They were just really heavy and, and that took two weeks, which is longer than it's ever taken for my other half marathons, but I've never run that fast. So maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah. It's rough. Yeah. What I've been doing, not, not a lot <laughs> since the, since the marathon. Yeah. I didn't run all weekend. Because we, there were Christmas things and Saturday morning we went to my bas basketball uh, for my daughter. And Sunday we cut the tree and put out the lights and everything. So in theory, I, I needed to run around 25K during the weekend. I didn't. So I don't know what's, what's that going to feel today that I go for my next run. Yeah. And your and, next uh, race is Boston, right? That's the yeah, the Boston Marathon. This is my last week of, of season. Hopefully, I, I wish people can see me because off season, it's we, we will define what it's off season in this episode exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is my last week of, of season. I'm going to start training seriously next Monday. Yeah. Because it's, I think, April 16th. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, not that yeah, far yeah. away. Yeah, Two, four months and one week, something like that. Yeah. Okay, so that's why we've been training. Not very interesting because it's the off season, and that's yeah. the point of the of today's episode. So why don't we start defining off season? Because I I think not a lot of people get the concept of off season. What I've heard sometimes it's like it's during the holidays or Christmas, and it's not necessarily only in winter or in Christmas. So how would you define off season? I think it's the period of time, which varies in length, between when you've got a big race done, like you've completed a big race, and you start your formal training for the next big race. So you're still running. Off-season doesn't mean you can't run. You still run. But it's not like a strict formalized plan where you have to get your long run in and your weekly mileage has to be this and you're doing race-specific speed work. So it's kind of... For me, I find it's a time to, you know, just enjoy running with no pressure. <laughs> it's a day I want to run, I run. If I can't, like if I want to cut a Christmas tree down with my family like you did on the weekend, it's not the end of the world if you don't skip your run. That's yeah. how I would define the off season. Yeah. And I think we we need, we we all coaches and people have been running, rename off season because the second you put off on that, people's, people believe or think that they don't have to do anything. Yeah, and I think, and sometimes runners get put off by it. They're they're they don't like the sounds of an off season off season because they think maybe we'll suggest they don't run, but people still run quite quite a bit depending on who you are. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. usually, usually people have like two off seasons during their, or that's why we recommend right or or, or the or, or the normal you have like a spring race and then a fall race. You have like two two times of. Two sets of, of season, we can say it like that. Yeah, I think a good example might be, say, someone who's doing fall race in the beginning of October, and then maybe someone who's doing an early race, and say they're both marathons, so you need lots of time to recover. So you're, you know, you finish your fall race in October, and then the rest of October, no- November, and part of December would be your off season. And then towards Christmas, you start, you know, or January if it's in May, you start your 16 to 20 week build up for an A race that would be in May. And then like June and July would be kind of your off season. And then August, you ramp back up again. This is kind of specific, I feel, to marathoners because the 5Kers are a little bit different. They can do so many races and it, it doesn't take as long to recover. But I don't know what it's like for all the listeners, but I do find in, in Ottawa anyway, our races seem to cluster around September, October and April yeah. and May. Yep. The yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's also very important to treat off season as a, because I, 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 I hear all the physical benefits of off season, right? You give your, your body time to recover. Get, I always, when I'm in the middle of a training session or period block, I always have some niggles, right? So you, you, you give time to your body to, to recover, to adapt, but also the mental part of training it's, I think it's it's very important. I remember when I was doing a lot of sprint triathlons, you don't need a lot of, a lot of recovery from those. Yeah. So I, I did like four, five, six triathlons a year. And uh, at the end of the year, I was exhausted physically and mentally. So even if your body can handle the, the load, sometimes your, 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 your mental health need, needs a break. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely. I have here two myths about what I consider two myths about off-season training. I want to hear what you think about that you gain a lot of weight, or you can gain weight, and that that you, that you will lose your hard and earned fitness over the last couple of months. So, what are your takes on those two myths? I think the weight gain. It depends. Like I know at an elite level, like we see all these videos and pictures on Instagram and Facebook of elite runners and the women in particular, in particularly are usually wearing a sports bra and like, you know, the little tiny shorts and they look very, very, very lean and trim. But you'll often hear, they'll be the first to say that they're not at that peak lean fitness all year round. So they will kind of back off at the elite level during the off season. And I mean, I'm sure they're nowhere near, they don't put a lot of weight on, but they're not at that like max fitness. I think it's normal to to put a little bit. I don't think it's good to put a lot on. Like if someone completely lets themselves go and Christmas comes and they're 10, 20 pounds up from where they were at their race in October. And then what I don't like about that, I think, is that then when your next buildup starts, you've got weight loss in mind. And then you're trying to train yeah. for race and lose weight at the same time, which we've talked about in a previous episode is not the best combo. So I think it's probably normal to put on a little bit of weight, especially if you're going from like 80 kilometer weeks to 40 or 50 in your off season, yeah. uh, unless you drastically cut back on the calories, you're probably going to put on a little bit, but it's okay as long as it's not extreme. Exactly. And it's, it's not bad. Right. And I think, I don't know, but when I'm training, I eat way more. I'm hungry all the time. And when I'm not training, yeah, I, I don't eat half of the calories or, or that. So I gain a little weight every time. But as soon as, I don't know, three, four weeks after you start running again, I start to lose them and yeah. I'm good to go. And about talking about professional runners, I remember Galen Rupp. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. He says that he's like five pounds over her, his ideal uh, race weight all the time. And just like two, three weeks before the race, he dialed up the calories, the macros and stuff like that. And he just he just knows that he can lose five pounds in two, three weeks without without any issues. So I think that re returning to the point that you say, like they, they look lean, but they are not racing weight lean or thin or whatever. Yeah. And to. he's losing that weight, I guess, during his taper, too. So he's not like yeah. at peak mileage and trying to cut five pounds. And he probably just does a pound and a little bit a week to make it over three weeks, which isn't too extreme. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it losing one pound a week. It's, it's, it's really reasonable. Right. Yeah. And what do you think about losing fitness during your, I think you what, have what, to. what, what do you think and what should runners think about losing fitness? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't, <laughs> I think one of the problems we make is that we try to be peak fitness, super fit and strong all year rounds. Like some runners who are doing, yeah speed work and intervals and pushing like two speed sessions a week in November and they don't have a race until April, May. I just, yep. you can't operate at peak fitness mentally and physically. You just can't do it 12 months of the year. So I think it, you finish your fall race and it's hard because if it didn't go well, then you're hard on yourself and you're, you're questioning your fitness and you want to push yourself more and more and more. And if it did go really well, you want to capitalize on that and go, go, go to build it. But I think it's really detrimental to not take that break and let your fitness go down a little bit. Like if you're used to 90 kilometer weeks, go down to 50 for, you know, 50K a week for maybe four weeks and then maybe 55, 60 for four weeks. 
and you're still going to be fit. You won't be as fit as you were when you were doing 90K weeks unless you're doing a lot of cross-training in other, in other areas. But I think mentally and physically our bodies need to lose a little bit of fitness and you'll build it back up like you have another 16, 20-week program around the corner from Christmas and that'll come back. Yeah, exactly. You, you're going to lose fitness, that's for sure, because you're not training or running as, as much as, as you were. But yeah. your next... The, the, the idea is that your next training block, you start a little fitter than the beginning of your last training block. 100%. Right. Yeah, I agree. So, so yeah, I think you will you will lose fitness. That's not a myth. The, the myth, the, I think the myth is that you can do something about it. If you wanted to improve over the long run, you need those off-season periods to recover, to give your body and your mind time to recover and regenerate and then start again a little fitter than before. You're not going to start as fit as the end of your training, but the idea is that you're going to start fitter than the beginning of your last training, right? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think mentally you just need that break too, because otherwise you might feel like powering all through November and December with these aggressive workouts and high mileage. But when you hit week 13 of your 20-week marathon buildup and you hadn't given yourself a break before it started... You might mm -hmm. start to resent running. You might get injured. Your head might not be in it. There's just a lot of bad things can happen. Yeah, and just get to the idea that not every race is going to be a PR. Yeah, I think it it was very, it has been very important to me. I I wanted to PR at every race. I don't care if it was January or May or October. Once I realized I can't, everything started to to feel easier. And over the long run, I've been improving more than just trying to be on all the time. Yeah. And I think this question is going to be very difficult to answer, but we need to give some guidelines or at least our opinion about it. How long should off-season be? Yeah, that's hard. I, I have to say, I hate, I hate those posts of influencers or coaches or whatever that, okay, if you're running a marathon, your off-season needs to be two months and you can't run for the first two weeks. And those stupid little like trip, ticks and trips are the worst. And I, I think I, they hinder more, a lot of runners that one day help. So what do you think about this? Yeah, I think it's not set in stone. There's so many factors to exactly. look at. So the most important one probably is the dates between your races. And I would yep. probably argue like if you, so you just did the Marine Corps Marathon, that was October 31st, right? So yep. if you were, your next A race was February, then maybe there'd be an argument to say, your off season, like, do you have to do a race in February? Maybe you should push it to March, April, cause, so you can have an off season. So I think if the dates aren't set in stone, you want to set yourself up so that you can actually get a bit of an off season. But then it depends on, like, how burnt out and tired were you at the last training cycle? And did you have an injury? So I think yeah. that's something like if you were injured and you just barely got through your race or maybe your injury had a negative effect on your race and you didn't run as well because you were hurt, you should have a longer off season. Like I would suggest over two months in order to figure that out. Because if you pull back for a month or maybe six weeks and you don't properly deal with the injury, which not a lot of injuries can be dealt with in just six weeks, especially if they've been there for a while, then you're entering your next training cycle injured, which is a horrible way to start a training plan. Yeah. <laughs> you know what can happen as you start building up speed and long yeah. run. So I think, first of all, the length of the off-season depends on the dates between the races. And then it depends how the last cycle felt and whether or not you were injured. But I would say a sweet spot would probably be, for most people, two months. 
but some would benefit from longer and some would benefit from shorter. And it doesn't mean that you can't have a structured program during those two months. Exactly. But yeah. uh, like I, I have runners, I'll often do running programs up for my running patients because I'm trying to guide them back to a certain goal without getting injured. And this is the time of year where they'll come in and they've just done the race and I'll say, do you, do you want me to do a program up between now and when your next program starts for your race, like your next build? And some of the runners who love programs and they want to be told what to do and follow something are like, oh my God, yeah, I'd be lost without that. And others are like, no, I don't want to be told what to do for two months. I just need a break. I want to run when I want to. And that's both are fine. You just have to figure out what works for you. Yeah. We inside Bannister, we have an off-season training program and it's structured and it starts easy and it starts to build up and, uh, and you get you get to your training block way better than if you do nothing for, for two months. And about the time frame, I think it should be based on your races. That you, As you just said, for example, I finished my marathon on October 30th or 31st, I, I can remember. And my next race is April 16th, something like that. So I only have five weeks of, of season. If I want to have yeah. real, a good 16, 17 week block for the next marathon, five weeks. But if my race was on May 29th, something like that, like, five weeks later so my off season will be 10 weeks because i don't need to train for the next race until february or march so i think i think that's that's very important i think the only consideration you need to you need to have right there and if you agree is to give enough time to recover you, you, you said it Rick. If, if you if you have only two weeks to recover after a marathon and you're starting the next one maybe maybe yeah. it's not it's not the right idea but if you are running 5ks maybe two weeks is more than enough yeah, and I think there's two things. One, you like you have five weeks where you're going to have a bit of a break. You're still running, but it's not as serious. But it's not like week one, you'll dive into a 90-kilometer week with two aggressive speed sessions and a 30K long run. Like That's just yeah, no. when your more formal training program starts. So by the time it gets really heavy and serious, it might be two, two and a half months after you've done your previous marathon. So it's still kind of... Exactly. Yeah. Giving you enough time between the two. I, I think, yeah, I think that's important. The, the other thing with the, with the off season structure and the time, again, I just think we should mention like mentally too, it, you have to really feel like you're ready to train for another race. So if five weeks go by and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I got to do this all over again. I really am not in the mood to do any speed and long runs and you're just resenting running yeah. then maybe maybe the race goal isn't ideal or maybe you push the start of your program two weeks which might not be the end of the world like you have to make sure your mind is in the right place too yeah absolutely and sometimes you can't wait to start your next training program yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> like me i'm just being super mindful about it and i will love to start it a few weeks ago to train for the boston marathon but no i'm yeah. gonna be i'm gonna do what we preach yeah, and, but <laughs> exactly. And another thing I've seen a lot of on social media, it's how many days you need to take off completely of running after race. I also hate this. I have to say it because it's OK. If it's a 5K between three to four days, if it's a 10K between that, that, if it's I've seen anything of if you're running a marathon, you can't, according to those social gurus, run for two weeks. And it's like, what? Yeah. I it it's wrong to, to give those advices. And what do you think? 
I think there is no number. I don't no. like it when coaches tell every single athlete that the same amount of time that needs to be taken off because if you really struggled and you had a really hard full marathon and you're really sore and you could barely walk the next day versus someone who felt great and four days later they feel like going for a light 5k run like you just can't predict that and everybody's different I'll I'll give an example so Natasha Wodak who has the Canadian record right now she got it in Berlin and she she took a while to start running again I have her on Strava and if you go back to when she did Berlin for weeks She's commenting, she didn't run for, I believe it was two weeks. And then when she did try to run, she was feeling awful. So she was posting like, that was terrible. My legs felt terrible. There's all negative things. And then after a few weeks, finally her post changed and she's like feeling myself again. Then yeah. Melinda Elmore does Toronto water a couple weeks later. She was the previous Canadian record holder. She ran like maybe two minutes slower than what Natasha did. And th these women are both similar age. They're, they're both early 40s. And she recovered so quick. I think I, I follow her on Strava too. And she was doing like a 14, 15K run. I don't even know if a week had passed was from yeah. the time that she did her marathon. So if they were both coached by the same person, the coach wouldn't look at both of them and say, two of you have to take two weeks off. It's just, they're just going to say, listen to your body how do you feel and don't listen to your body like if your brain thinks that you can't go a week without running but your legs feel terrible on day eight post marathon listen to your legs not your brain <laughs> yeah and i think your experience also has a lot of a lot a lot to do with it because i remember my first 10k i ran it in one hour and five minutes something like that and i couldn't walk like for two weeks yeah right? It was awful. It was terrible. It, it was just, in quotes, 10K, because sometimes a 10K, if it's your first, like me, it's gonna, you're going to suffer like if it's a, a marathon. And, but it was the first one, so my legs were absolutely not ready for that kind of pounding. Then after my first half marathon, I couldn't walk like for one week, and it was terrible. And I remember going to, to the woman that gave me some massages in Mexico about it, and it, she was like, oh, no, you can't run after... After a half, it's every know everyone knows that, right? Something like that. Yeah. But after a lot of years of running, I can run a marathon, and three days later, I can be running. Yeah. It's your experience and how hard your race was have a lot to do, a lot to do with it. I have to say, let me let me know if you agree with me. The sooner you start running, if you if your body feels good and your mind feels good, the better. Yeah, it's hard if you have to take a long break from running because that's. I find it a little bit tricky because say you built up to, say we're talking about like a very experienced runner and they can get their mileage up high. So they're doing a hundred kilometer, 120 kilometer weeks and they do a marathon, but then it takes them a month to be able to run again. And, and if it does, that's fine. Like if their legs don't feel ready to run until a month, that's, it is what it is. But if they can get out sooner because their legs feel ready, It, it would be better because the longer you go without running, the more you're risking returning to running with an injury because your body hasn't been used to the repetitive strain of running for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, however it's been. So as long as the legs feel ready, I think the sooner the better. But then on the opposite side, if the legs don't feel ready, don't force it because that's often when injury troubles happen. And I, I yeah. often meet people who they get injured in the buildup, the beginning of a buildup for a race. And when we talk about their previous race and how they recovered and their off season, there's a lot they didn't nail down right. 
And so the injury was just kind of waiting to happen because they didn't recover from their previous race right and they started running too soon and it didn't feel good. So you kind of have to, again, you have to see how you feel. Yeah. I We talked about the runner of the week last week. It's Mike Ward. He runs all the time. And he says, and I started to to implement it this like four years ago, the best way to recover is to stay active. So it doesn't matter if, if he runs a hundred miler one day, the next day he's running. Maybe super slow, like 15 minutes per mile, kilometer, stuff like that. But it's just a way to get the, the blood flowing and to get new blood with nutrients and oxygen to your yeah. muscles that are weak and hurt. But the, the best way to, to send recovery tools to your, to your body is moving and getting that blood flow flowing. Yeah. And if running yeah. doesn't feel good, there's always there's swimming, there's biking. Natasha Wodak exactly. uses the elliptical a lot. So yeah. just low impact stuff to get the circulation going, but you're not, you're not beating up your tired legs if they're not feeling prepared to run yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how can people decide the base mileage they, they need to, to, to run during off season or how, how long are the long runs? Do, do we need to do long runs? No. What do you think about this? Yeah, this, this is probably the, one of the most important topics to discuss, I think, because what a runner does, I don't think runners always realize how important the off-season is because what a runner does with their weekly mileage and their long runs in the off-season sets the stage for what they're going to be capable of doing in their next training block. So say yep. if you've got someone who's going to do a race at the end of April, so they're going to start training for their marathon maybe at the end of December is when their formal training starts. So if you have two runners of the exact same ability, maybe they both have say 3.30 times, and you've got one runner, so there's maybe been like a two-month off-season, say, and one runner has been doing 30 kilometers a week with a long run of 12K. Okay. And the second runner has been doing 55 kilometers a week with a long run of 20K. If you think of, so, and they're both, they both come to you, say they both want you to coach them, and they're like, can you do me up a 16, 20-week marathon cycle? You have you have to start where you are. So yeah. you've only been running a 30-kilometer week. You can't jump into 60-kilometer weeks. But the runner who is doing 55 kilometers a week can. So their starting program might start at 60K per week. And maybe they can build up to 90 over 20 weeks without injury because they've got lots of time and they've they're starting higher up. Whereas the other runner is only running 30K a week, they're going to have to take a few weeks just to be able to get to 60 safely without injury. And yep. it's the same thing with the long run. If you enter a marathon training cycle with a 20 kilometer long run that you've done for a couple of weeks and that feels really good, you're going to be able to do more 30 plus kilometer runs in your training cycle than the person who's at 12 because they've got to work really hard to get up to 20 now and let the body absorb that. So I think... The, I have this conversation a lot with patients at the clinic when we're talking about the off season. It depends on the spring goals. So I have two good examples from last week. One guy really wants to do the Ottawa race weekend marathon, which is in May, but okay, he loves okay, yeah. skiing. So he doesn't want to run a lot this winter because he loves skiing and he wants to be on the ski, like cross country skiing, which is great cross training, but it's not running. So he's going to be skiing most days of the week. And I said, would you run at all during those time? And I say, this time? And he said, no. And hmm. I said, well, when would you start running again? And he said, probably end of March. Oh. And I said, well, you're 
can you do a fall marathon instead of a spring marathon? Because you're giving yourself two months to train for a marathon and you haven't run in four months. That's a, that's a great way to get injured or to just have a miserable race. But then I had another person who wants to qualify for Boston at the end of April and really wants to be dedicated and all in over the winter. And we're trying to decide, okay, what's realistic for you to run during the winter? So in the off season, say we're talking December, January right now, because it's the end of November right now. What's realistic that you can run? So think of the cold and the winter and and it's dark at five o'clock and all this stuff. How often can you realistically run? And so I think that's a question you have to ask yourself. And then there's how much can you run and how much do you want to run? So yeah, how much are you willing every day? To put but in. Yeah. do you want to do that? Yeah. So you kind of have or you don't want to start resent running. So you don't want to say, oh, I can run six days a week in the off season, but then the winter gets to you and it's cold and it's dark and you start to really dislike it. So you kind of have to decide how much can you do, but then also make sure that you're giving yourself an off season. Because if you're a, if you're someone who hits 80 kilometers a week in your peak marathon cycle and in your off season, you can, you think I could do 80 K a week. That's not really an off season. So for the weekly mileage, I'll give myself an, as an example, I'm doing Cornwall Marathon April 29th, and I would like to get up to 90 kilometer weeks for that. So over the next month, I'm going to hold myself around 50K a week. Okay. And then by early January, I'd like to be up to 55, 60. So then I've got all of January, February, March, and early part of April to work up towards 85, 90K a week. And I'm going to keep my long run up around 20. So that in January, again, I can go 22, 24 and start to build up and get like a few cracks at a 30, 32K, maybe even 35K long run to make sure my legs feel really comfortable at that distance. Yeah, I think the lesson here is that your off season is tied to your racing goals and, and when they are, right? Yeah. It's not set in stone for sure. But talking about weekly mileage and, and long runs, it's based on it's based on that. What, how much are you willing to? I maybe I can say sacrifice. I don't like that word. But how 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 much are you willing to work during the off season to be as ready as you can be for your training block? And uh, and yeah, so yeah, the, the guy that yeah. you just mentioned that wants to ski, well, that's his priority right now. Um, yeah, and that's we can, we can do anything. Okay. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it, it's okay. And the same goes to 5Ks and 10Ks and half marathons. It's what's your goal and how much, how, how ready you want to be when you start your training block? Because the, 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 the runners that you were saying that he's running only 10, 12Ks long runs, he's going to be having a hard time getting to 30K. And if he does, yeah. his probabilities of getting injured skyrocket. Yeah. And I think if you if you decide that you can't, can't or don't want to do a lot of running in the off season or in the winter, that's okay. But then yep. sometimes the goals need to be modified. So exactly. I get people who they just love skiing and some people start to resent running in the off season because they want to be skiing. And if that's the case, you don't want to resent running. You want to have a good relationship with it. So back off. But then like one guy wanted to get a 310 marathon in at, which would have been a Boston qualifier in early April but he was going to be learning to ski over the winter. So he didn't, he wasn't able to do a lot of running because he was going to be skiing four or five times a week. And he said, but I also would really like to qualify for Boston at this race. And 
the more we talked about it, the more I told him, I think you need a new goal. Like I think, yeah, exactly. I think he was perfectly capable of 310 marathon, but that should maybe be done in the fall because he, you have to pick, do you want to run a BQ or do you want to ski? And that's one of the main reasons I say to runners that if you want to qualify to Boston and you're a very serious runner, get a coach because if you go, I'm in a lot of running groups in Facebook. If you go and ask someone, you're going to get like 20 different answers and a coach is going to walk you through this kind of reasoning, right? Like, okay, yeah, qualifying to Boston, it's a, an amazing goal and it's, it's it has been my goal. It was my goal for a lot of years, but how do you maximize your chances about it, right? Yeah. That, that's that's why one way to put it. I also know that you are a really great advocate of strength training during off-season. Why it's so important to strength train during off-season more than during season? Or how, why do we like to, make, to do strength training during off-season? Yeah, I think strength training is important all year round for, for a runner, but it becomes even more important during the off season because we can really, I don't want to say beat up the legs, but we can really go heavy and start doing hard exercises. And we don't need to be super stressed out that it's going to affect the runner's 30K long run on the weekend or their two speed sessions that they have coming up. Because when you introduce strength, it it's going to make you sore. Or if you start doing more strength training, like say if you're doing some deadlifting or some Bulgarian split squats and you start to go heavier, it's often going to give you DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, which is normal, but it's easier to deal with in the off season because your running mileage and volume and intensity has been scaled back. So you can introduce this strength, beat up the legs a little bit and not worry too much about how your next run is going to be because maybe you just change it to a 5k easy shakeout run because it was supposed to be 10 or 12 and that's yeah. okay because it's the off season and the the other thing is unlike running you can build up a solid base of strength over over a few weeks and then if you scale back a little bit on the strength but you keep doing it say at least once a week Yep. You can maintain the strength you work to build in your off season for over 40 weeks. So you can't, you can't build strength by strength training once a week, but you can by maintain doing it, it three times a week. And then when you hit your strength goals and your, your big training block starts and you think, well, now I'm doing 80 kilometer weeks and these long runs, I don't have time to strength train two to three times a week. You pull back and the strength will stay there. It'll, it'll maintain. So you're not going to lose it. Whereas running, if you pull back on your running, you're going to lose fitness. It doesn't <laughs> work like that, unfortunately, but for strength. So if you work your butt off in the off season and say November and January, you're lifting heavy and you're doing a lot of strength specific stuff. Then when you go down once a week, you'll still be just as strong in March and April and May, as long as you're getting that one strength session in, but it doesn't work unless you put in the work in the off season. Exactly. So you get the benefits of, of strength training without affecting your runs. That's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Right? It's really hard for me when I get a runner coming in and they, they're injured. And I think some of it is to do with weaknesses. If they've got a race in a month, I'm very careful what I give them for strength work because I don't want to make them sore. But when that race is done and they're recovered and they're back in my office, we're, we're going for it. Like we're going to get them nice and strong and, I'm not as worried because they don't have a race now. So we can really 
get them lifting and moving and doing hard things. Yeah. And I, I have to say that strength training benefits reflect or you can see the benefits really fast, right? I know from my experience that when I was training for the duathlon championships, I did only six weeks of strength training before the the, the race and I could see the difference in my running. So you, you, you start to see the, the benefits really, really fast with strength training, faster than running. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially running uphill and doing speed sessions. Yeah. I find that's, and at the end of a long run, I find before I really started doing strength training, anything over 18K in my back and my hips just got so tired and that just doesn't happen anymore. Exactly. And talking about speed work, I don't like to, I don't, I don't like this topic of, of, of season because I love speed work. That's my favorite thing yeah. to do when I'm training. I, I hate long runs. I don't like long runs. I do them because I know I have to, but I hate them. Being out there for two and a half hours when it's minus 30 degrees in February, it's not fun at all. Yeah. But do you have to do it? But I don't want to talk about this because in the off season, I, I don't do, I don't do speed work. It's not very smart to do speed work during the off season. Yeah. Yeah. You need, um, you need to give your body a little bit of a break. Yeah. Yeah. I think anything, I, I think that's the only thing I, I, I have to say about speed work and off season. You, don't need to do it because it's not going to translate as, as, as strength training. If you stop doing speed work, you're going to get slower. So you don't need them during off season and there's no need to be pushing your body and increasing your chances of getting injured during, during speed work during off season. Do you agree? Yeah. And I think there's a couple of things. So you need to give your body a break and you, you keep running, but you scale back the intensity. But also you want to make sure you're not peaking at the wrong time. So there's, if you, if you look into a lot of, there's some great books out there all on how to build up a proper marathon, half marathon cycle, 10K, 5K, whatever we're training for. But you have to be careful because if you introduce speed too early, you can end up peaking maybe four weeks out from your race. Yeah. And then by the time your race comes, you're not in peak shape anymore because you've kind of overtrained and overworked yourself in the speed. Yeah. So I, I think what I'm kind of a fan of, because anytime runners come in to see me and they're injured, they've often done too much too soon. So they've increased the long run too aggressively or their weekly mileage or they've added in speed work too aggressively. It's always when they're adding in something. So this is the whole point of the off season. If you don't let your mileage go way down, you're not as likely to get injured in the buildup because the buildup's not as aggressive and the same applies for the speed work. So if maybe one session a week, a runner wants to do a little tempo run and it doesn't need well, to tempo be runs, that, yeah, that's a great point. Like moderate pace tempo run or maybe a fartlek run. So, you know, you're out for a 8K run and just every now and then you throw in a, a, a not a sprint. I don't want to say a sprint because it shouldn't be all out. But you just pick up the pace to, you know, that fire hydrant or that telephone pole and then you run easy again and then you see a gas station and you run hard to that. Like it, it fart like stands for, uh, what is it? Play, play, I have to look up the definition of fartlek. Have you done fartleks before? Yeah. Yeah, I just, you just ba variate your speed along the yeah. way. However you feel, you go fast, you go slow, you go intermediate. And yeah, yeah. they're a fun way to, to mix some speed work without the taxing of a good interval sessions or speed sessions on the track. Yeah, yeah. It stands for speed play. And I think that's another one with a tempo run that could be thrown in once a week, but not aggressive speed, more just like don't have a structure to your run, just go out and run easy and then run a little bit quick 
and just back and forth. But I think if you do that once a week in the off season, then when your training program starts, January, February, whenever it starts, your legs aren't going, whoa, what is this speed work? Like they've done a little <laughs> bit of it. So then you add one in a week and kind of get that under your belt. And then you add your second one if you're going to do two a week. But it just makes, if you do a little bit of, I don't want to call it gentle speed because that doesn't exist, but moderate <laughs> speed in the off season, just once a week or once every other week, it might make for an easier transition when the program starts. But the I get people coming in even just last week that are, injured and they're like oh well I was doing a speed session with this group or we were doing intervals and then I asked the workout and there are these hardcore aggressive workouts in no end of November with no races in sight and I just yeah, there, there's no point for it yeah I don't know why they're doing it there's no benefit no there's no point yeah I, I hate to admit it but there's no point <laughs> I know speed work is fun though <laughs> yeah I love it okay that's about speed work uh, if you live in a cold place like we do We've been very blessed this couple of no November, a couple of weeks. It hasn't been that cold, not that snowy. But if you live in a very cold place that it's very snowy, how do you approach going outside, running outside, running outside or on a treadmill? Yeah, again, What? I think it's an, an individual preference thing again here because you'll meet some runners who they call the treadmill the dreadmill and they never want yeah. to go on it. And then you'll meet other runners who there's like a flake of snow on the ground when they're on their treadmill. So I think it, it kind of depends if I, I don't mind running outside in the cold. Uh, you know, there's what is the saying? There's no bad weather, just bad clothes or bad Clothing. gear. So I've got I've been running for so long now and I used to live in Labrador that I've got all the running gear. So the cold doesn't bother me. I've run in minus 45 Celsius before and I was fine. I, it's the footing I find like if, if yeah. it's snowed or if it's freezing rain and you, you just can't get that traction and you're slipping. Like I've definitely created little niggles in my Achilles or in my plantar fascia because I'm slipping on the ice. So yeah. that's when I'll usually do, you know, go onto the treadmill if the footing is really, really poor, but then I do have studs for my shoes, which helps sometimes too. But then you'll meet runners who are just Some runners are really durable and no matter what they run in, they don't get injured and they'll run outside all year round and they're fine. So it really just depends. But I do have runners right now. Like I have one from Costa Rica who does not want to run outside this winter and <laughs> has no intention of doing it. So we're just doing up a program for him on the treadmill. Yeah. I think that the point here is that running on the treadmill does, doesn't affect your performance or, or your training. Yeah, yeah. I think it's ideal to have a little bit of a mixture. Like if it, if the weather is terrible, get on the treadmill, but ideally you'd be outside a bit too. But there was yeah. a really interesting uh, research study came out of Montana Running Lab. This is Dr. Rich Willie. And it was talking about that 1% grade on the treadmill, how everybody yeah. puts the treadmill up to 1% incline because mm -hmm. it's supposed to mimic outside. Basically, totally unnecessary unless you're running faster than like a 4.30, 4.25 pace. So for most of us, like if you're doing an easy run on the treadmill, most people will be slower than 4.30. They don't need to do that 1% incline, which I found yeah. interesting. Yeah, there, there's, there's a table in the Jack Daniels book, The Running Formula, that compares the times, the speed on the treadmill to kilometers per hour or miles per hour and the incline, the percentage of incline. So you can play with the speeds because, for example, treadmills all... Most treadmills only go up to, up to 12 kilometers per hour. So if you want to do a speed session because you're in the middle of your training block and it just 
snowed like 10 inches of it's going to be very hard to to run but you can't go faster than 20 kilometers per hour if you adjust the grading the, the you can mimic some 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 distances so yeah the the jack daniels running formula has those, those tables and i found them very useful the four or five times i have to run on the treadmill yeah that's very cool yeah, yeah. okay so let's make a little conclusion about this off-season training what are the main things runners need to take into consideration between races? Let's let's call it that, not off-season. Between races, what are the main things that runners you think need to focus on? I think number one would be recovery. So recover from your race and pull your mileage back a little bit so mentally and physically you feel ready when the next block starts. Yeah. I think number two, decide what you want to do for base mileage and your weekly long run and make sure it's realistic, but make sure it's pulled back so that you are going to lose fitness. But again, physical and mental recovery is the priority here. Back and somehow week. it, sorry, it needs to be linked to your goal, your goals yeah. on your race, right? That's, yeah. I think that's, that's very important because if, talking about two runners, for example, that they just both did three, 30 marathons and are very similar and everything, but one, doesn't want to run until the fall, the next marathon, and the other one wants to run Boston, their off-season is going to look completely different based on those goals. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. Look ahead. Look at 2023 and don't think just the next month, the next week. What what exactly. does the next year look like? Yeah. And then adjust speed. So, you know, get rid of those hardcore speed sessions. But if you want to throw an occasional tempo or fart like run in, go for it. And prioritize strength. That's the time to to get nice and strong and to get into a gym or to work with a strength coach or a physio and get some good and, and make sure you're getting some good running specific exercises. I don't know how many times I've had runners come in and they're they're following a running program and there's no calf raises in it. It beats <laughs> me every time. You can't it's not a running program for or it's you not a strength have... program for runners if there's no calf raises. Yeah. And I have one 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 last thing to say about this. The day I started to you know, feel, I think of myself as an athlete, not as a runner. I started to approach my off-season very differently. And I started to do very different and crazy things that do doesn't have anything to do with running, but they helped me to become a bird athlete because I'm stronger overall. So the last couple of winters, I, st I, I, keep, I keep running, but I've tried rowing classes spinning classes, CrossFit classes, like functional training classes, climbing lessons, stuff like that. So I just I just stay active. It helps me to get the mental load out of, of, of running because I, as you may already notice, we are very intense runners. And when we are training for a race, it's, <laughs> it's very important. And the mental toll, it's, 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 it's big. But just trying different things, I, I, I feel like my injuries have gone lower. And just thinking of myself as an athlete, I do that this a lot with my with my runners. Think of yourself as an athlete, not a runner, and it changes your approach to off season, and you start to enjoying it more. Yeah, yeah, cool. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about our runner of the week. Utah Marilainen. Yes, thank you for saying her name. <laughs> I think I'm he, hoping I didn't butcher it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very happy about this runner of the week because it's the first 
runner of the week that is nominated by someone that is a listener from the podcast. So thank you for nominating someone. And if you know someone that you think it deserves some kind of recognition, please feel free to to send us her name and or his name and why to chasingprs.run. So why is she runner of the week? Not because not just because someone recommended her. It's it was it's very impressive what she did. Yeah, she did a full Ironman in 11 hours and 10 minutes. And she came first in her age group, which was the 50 to 54 age group. Yeah. And she ran the marathon after swimming 4K and after biking for 90K, no, 100K, 100 miles, sorry, 100 miles. She ran the marathon in four hours. Yeah, that's (laughs) That's impressive. That's impressive. I started to research her. Because I said, well, that, that's impressive. Winning your age group in, in an Ironman and running a, a marathon in four hours after all those swimming and biking. So I start to research her and she has very impressive marathon times since 2003 that I could find. And her best marathon is two hours and 46 minutes, which wow. made her the first place female overall at the Philadelphia Marathon in 2009. Wow. In yeah, 2009, it, that's phenomenal. Yeah. So that's like 13 years ago. She was 40, something like that. And she, she came first overall of women in the Philadelphia Marathon. That's impressive. Yeah. And I'm watching her times here. 246, 250, 249, 248, 247, 252, 302, 259 at Boston. So, wow. 20, yeah. The ones that I could find, 25 marathons in total, way below three hours in average. So that's impressive. Congratulations on your accomplishments. And I already asked to meet her because I love <laughs> to meet fast, fast runners. Yeah. I love to pick their brains. Yeah. Try to learn from them. Yeah, exactly. So thank you for nominating her. Congratulations and very impressive results. I hope I can run four hour marathon after an Ironman when I'm 50 plus. Yeah. That would be a big accomplishment. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> with that, look, she did. She did the Marine Corps like in 2018, three three ten. That's second place in her category. Wow, yeah. that's really cool. Okay, so and we have some very cool chasing sprints this time. Do you remember yeah. them? Yeah. We've got one. I posted this on my social media page the other day. So the the video is up on Running with Rochelle if you want to see it, but. It was a half marathon done in the Heathrow airport. And they, anyway, there were six quite fast runners. Like some of them were professional runners doing this. And they didn't shut the airport down. They did it while people were waiting for their flights and walking around with suitcases. And it, it was pretty hilarious. And they're running and zigzagging through the crowds. And the winner did it in, I believe it was 67 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, 67 minutes. Like they were, they I, were flying through the I, 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 watched, I watched the video and I, I was expecting the whole video to see when they were going to tell them, you can't run here again. Yeah. And they, they weren't. They, or no, they weren't. That, that, that was the fun part. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. And all the, all the other people, like there's so many people just sitting in their chairs, waiting for their flights, staring at them like they're insane. It's on the YouTube platform at Josh and Archie is the channel. 
And anyway, they were very, I don't think they're runners. So it was really funny listening to them try to figure out how to measure the course and yeah. what to have afterwards and the medals and stuff. It was pretty cute. Yeah, and it's 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 impressive what they did, and impressive the time that they that the pro runners were able to run inside up an airport. Yeah, in the terminal. <laughs> One hour and seven minutes half marathon inside an airport with people and not their rate. Not they gave them water, but there was no yeah. like proper aid stations and stuff like that. So it was no. it was really fun. Yeah, it was go flat, see that video. Yeah, probably the flattest marathon. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a good point. Yeah, no for hills. sure. Yeah, and the, the other interesting thing that we saw that this week is the three hour and 28 minute marathon runner that did it chain smoking the whole marathon. Yeah, this was all over social media last week. Yeah. So, and I also did a, a, some research. He's called Uncle Chen. <laughs> yeah. And he did it all already other two other times running a fast marathon chain smoking. He did one in three hours and 32 minutes, another one in three hours and 36 minutes. I couldn't find this information, but someone told me last week that he doesn't smoke if it's not during a marathon. I think I saw that somewhere as well in one of the articles. He only smokes when yes. he's doing his marathon. That's a great way. I, I want to be on the news. What, what can I do? I'm going to run a fast yeah. marathon chain smoking. Well, and you, do you want to hear something? another th impressive thing about him? He, he ran, I don't know if he did chain smoking, but he ran 90 kilometers in 12 hours. Wow. So he's also a good ultra runner. Yeah, so he's quite the runner. Why smoking? I would. I don't know. You can pick on a lot of different things to have a like a, a Guinness World Record or something like that. But now nah, I'm gonna chain smoke. Yeah, that was fun. So that was our episode. If you have any follow up questions, because I know off season training is like how can I say it? difficult topic because there's no straight answer to it, right? Yeah. You can send them, send them to us to in chasingprs.run, and we will happily talk about it next week. Absolutely. Yeah. So I hope you feel better soon, Richelle, so we can do this again in person. It has a better flow, I believe. And yeah, get well soon. Thanks everyone for listening and see you next week. Yeah, thank you. Tune in next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you love it, give it a share. Please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify and visit chasingprs.run for all the latest episodes, get our free newsletter and all the cool running stuff we have there. Thanks for joining.